Hey friends, happy 2021 and welcome back to Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. I'm Sue Ann Camfield and I serve on staff here at the church and I am the host of this podcast. Um, It has been a minute since we have been together. We took a break for the month of December to catch our breaths and regroup during the holidays. And now that seems like a lifetime ago, but we are back. We are ready to get back at it. And so um, welcome. I have missed being here. I have missed being with you. And I'm just so glad that you chose to join us today. So the good thing about taking a break in December is that I got to hear from so many of you that found Deeper Still during the break, or maybe got to catch up on a few episodes that you missed, and you shared it with your friends. And so I just want to say thank you for that. I loved hearing from you. I loved getting a text from my friend Anne that said, when are you starting again? I loved hearing how your friends enjoyed it. And so um, that was super encouraging. So keep sharing that feedback with us. Keep listening. Keep sharing it with your friends. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Deeper Still. So um, go do that and be sure also, please follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Christchurch Women, especially Instagram. I'm trying to get some more friends over there. So find us on Instagram, comment, like us and uh, give us some feedback as we go. Well, for those of you who have been following along, you know we have been studying the book of James together and we are going to continue doing that next week. But I wanted to let you know just of one slight change we're going to make to the schedule moving forward. We're actually going to go to an every other week format Uh, that does two things. It gives us on this end a little more space in between each podcast just to get ready and to be a little more prepared. And then it also gives you a little more space to listen and digest what you're hearing and keep up a little bit. So make a note of that, mark your calendar. And if you want to be part of a small group who actually is studying the book of James together. We have lots of groups uh, who are meeting via Zoom here at the church. And so um, we would love for you to find one that works for you. And you can go to Christchurch.us forward slash women and you will find a group. You can um, choose the time that works for you and jump in and they would love to have you. Okay, so enough of all that. James chapter three next week. But today we are going to kick off Deeper Still 2021 with a conversation about identity and what it looks like to ground ourselves in our identity with Christ. We're going to talk about why it matters and how we do it. And to guide us through this conversation today, I am joined in the studio with one of my uh, very favorite people on the face of the earth, uh, my mentor and my dear friend, uh, Carla Pierre. Carla is a leader and an elder here at the church. She is a spiritual mentor and friend to many, many women, as well as her and her husband, Roger, to several couples. I know some of you are out there listening today. Uh, she has served on staff as a women's director at another church for 16 years, and so she knows this space that we're going to talk into today. She is a mom, she is a grandma, um, and she is just a beautiful and wise soul that I am so excited for you and for me to just be in her presence today as we go deeper still. Carla, welcome to Deeper Still, my friend. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. I've loved 
this new venture, <laughs> and I love I love connecting with you. So thank you for inviting me. Uh, well, you know, one of the um, fun things about this for me is that you and I have um, known each other for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. We have been journeying together for probably the last 10 or 12 years over mm-hmm. coffee, over lunch, over breakfast, over wine, whatever we can do together. <laughs> it always surrounds food for some yes, reason, yes. I think. Always around food. Absolutely. <laughs> But you have been such a person who has helped guide me through my journey and who have spoken such wise and beautiful words um, over my life, into my life, into my soul, and have helped um, remind me of so many of the truths that we are going to talk about today. So for me, it feels like you and I are just sitting here having our normal cup of coffee that we normally do, Uh, except you are going to talk way more than I am today. And Mm -hmm. I am super excited for all of our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. Thank you. So I thought where we would start today, Carla, um, is how we got here, Mm. why we are even having this conversation. And the reason we are sitting here today is because um, at the end of November, I did our last Deeper Still episode of 2020, no, 2020, not 2021, Mm. um, with Tara Beth Leach, who is a pastor here at the church. She's an author. She's a a beautiful, deep, wise thinker. And... um, she and I were talking about uh, what it looks like to empower women to use their gifts and to step courageously into the places that God has called them to. And you listen to that episode. And by the way, if others of you haven't listened to that episode, please go back. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on that episode. It was really, I think, had a nerve with a lot of women. And so mm-hmm. be sure to listen to that. But you listen to that. And uh, shortly after that aired, I got an email from my in my inbox from you. And um, there were all kinds of things bubbling up in your soul. And I want you to share what was it that bubbled up and why you reached out to me? Um, thanks, Sue Ann. Um, first of all, it was just a fabulous conversation. I love those very intentional conversations about our inner life. And I thought it was just a great conversation, an important conversation about calling. Um, I think what bubbled up for me is we have a lot of conversations about the what of our lives. What is my calling? What is my giftedness? Uh, what is my um, what is my passion? What is my vision? We have a lot of conversations and a lot of writing about the how of our life. Mm-hmm. How am I going to grow in Christ? How am I going to be an effective leader? How am I going to um, improve my relationships both in home and out? But there is so little discussion about who we are. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not, not something normally we think about, uh, who am I? But trust me, every day we live very concretely out who we are in every decision we make. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like in, in the conversation, particularly about our calling and our giftedness, to not talk about who we are, our God-given identity, um, we miss um, we miss a foundational part of understanding our giftedness and our calling. It's just like there are developmental stages physically that we go through and developmental stages that we go through emotionally. I believe that happens in our spiritual journey as well. And not to spend time on who we are, mm. I think really um, it, it shortchanges us mm. in the hows and whats of our life. Yes. Um, and, and if I were to ask most of our friends here at Christ Church, what is your God-given identity? Most of us would say, well, I'm a Christian. Mm. That's actually not 
our God-given identity. Mm. That's what other people called the early church. Mm. That's, a, that's an identity given by others. It's not the identity God gave us. And so... Um, oh. Okay, friends, are you hearing this? We're going to have to saddle up today because even in that statement, I'm like, ooh, that's good. We yeah. got to go there. We got to dig deep. We're going to do that today. Yeah, and, and, you, you know, and you know what Christian means today. It can mean that's, a lot of different things that's to people. Right. So. It can mean a lot of different things, and it does mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And when people um, see the church and see us, and I know this is not the direction we're going to go today, right. but when they see us living out of a place that's not our God-given identity, yeah. that's why we're in this mess. Yeah, because you have a bunch of people living out of all kinds of different identities that don't look like Christ. That's right. And then people are like, what's what's up with that Christianity thing? Because it doesn't look like what I thought maybe. And so um, such an important conversation today. And I think one of the one of the things that pierced me personally Mm -hmm. uh, when you wrote me is I know better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I wrote a book about calling uh, of my own journey and calling people back to asking that who am I question? Who do I want to be a question? And always trying to push myself to the the who questions. Mm-hmm. And here, like you said, that was a great conversation, but how easy it is, even when we know better, to forget because we're such a culture that um, wants to be productive mm-hmm. and wants to wants to do the how and the what, exactly what you Absolutely. said. And that's what we that's focus a, That's on. how we've been raised. <laughs> and we think, oh, who? Gosh, that that seems um, awfully slow and, <laughs> right. and not productive. And right. so I, I, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And you say, um, you talk about this idea of God-given identity. And I want you to um, lay that foundation for us of what that really means. Okay. Um, First of all, um, social scientists tell us that um, identity is simply what you believe about yourself and the left side of your brain, but also, and you're not always aware of this, what you image about yourself and the right side of your brain. We all practice um, identity every day. and we begin forming um, an identity even as, as, even as babies because it's, it's our identity that meets two of the deepest needs we have as human beings, security and significance. Those mm-hmm. are human needs. We've been made, in the imi- we've been made uh, fearfully and wonderfully made with those needs, and those needs need to be met. You know, you read about um, children who are fed, uh, babies that are fed and taken care of physically, but not emotionally, mm-hmm. and they, um, they don't flourish. Mm. They don't thrive because um, that sense of being uh, seen and enjoyed and loved isn't, isn't, isn't happening. Mm-hmm. So we begin forming our, um, our identity, you know, in our, in our home with our parents and our early life. I think, you know, we go into high school and early adulthood and we try on lots of identities and um, then we move into adulthood and we tend to um, kind of patch together a lot of identities that work for us to meet these needs of security and significance. So we, we find identity in our mother, in our role as mother or wife. Um, and, you know, when we develop our career and our in our status and our roles as in a career, uh, and sometimes we even um, unknowingly here again, I don't think it's always conscious. We attach our identity to inanimate things. Hmm. We become uh, we become secure and significant when our four hundred one k reaches a certain. You know, um, it can be the car we drive. It can be the address we live at. And, and so when you, when you really stop and think about how many places we begin putting our scaffolding up, 
to make ourselves feel secure and significant. It's it's a lot. Mm. I love that you use that word scaffolding mm-hmm. as an image. And I want to just talk a little bit about that because I have a little bit of a picture in my mind of what you mean by that. But can you flesh that out a little bit more for us about scaffolding? Well, I think of scaffolding as kind of surrounding the essence of who we are, mm-hmm. or you know, or maybe that in eternal, invisible quality of that part of us that's going to live forever. And while we're here on earth, there are needs that, that that essence, that soul has. And security and significance are just two of those needs. Those are needs that eventually, when we're not on this earth, we won't have those needs anymore. But those those needs were placed there by God, I think, ultimately to be to be uh, met by Him. Mm. Um, but we start building the scaffolding from the time we're young mm. to start to meet those needs, mm. and it's like patching together different different. Like I said, it can be it can be relationship through our relationships, through our through our role, through our career. We we look for we kind of unconsciously look to get those needs of security and sta- and and significance met through lots of different roles. Mm-hmm. There's an, and and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they're inadequate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we see um, in your notes you talk a little bit about a you know when we think like those are our natural identities. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. And then to think of this idea of a God given identity. And you even use the example of Jesus being baptized mm-hmm. and what that looked like as a picture of God given identity. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, I just think that's such a that in, in my mind that's where we have to start. I think each of us needs to start in the Jordan River. Mm. I think each of us needs to image ourselves, because what happened there was that, um, uh, you know, Jesus came up out of the water, and the voice um, of his father uh, announced to him and announced to everyone that was listening, "This is my beloved son." Some translations see, say "cherished," uh, "beloved," "cherished son." Um, in my favor rests upon him. Some translations say, in him I'm well pleased. Mm. And that was such a defining moment for Jesus because out he, it was in that, in that sense of identity and belovedness that he went out and met um, the evil one for 40 days and withheld and, and went through all the temptations he threw at him because he didn't have to prove himself. Mm. He didn't have to prove his importance. Those were already deeply met by that by that blessing of love and um, favor that God had given him. Uh, all then you just follow on his life, um, all, all of his activities, his messages, his encounters flowed out of that place within him of being be- the beloved. Mm-hmm. I love one verse in John um, that talks about Jesus. It says, "Knowing who he was." where he had come from and where he was going, he took the towel and wrapped it around his waist and knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. That came out of that that sense of that identity God had spoken over him. Yes. And we're going to get there in a little bit. We're not going to get there yet about what that looks like for us. How, mm-hmm. do we, how do we find ourselves in a place where we um, see that God looks over us and he defines us as his children and then we can live into that in a place like I, I love that picture of Jesus going into the desert then having this um, strong 
sense of who he is as God's beloved child, and then being able to encounter the temptations, the loneliness, the wilderness that we have talked so much about Mm -hmm. through COVID, Yeah, right? I mean, there's been so many things that have kicked up during this season that probably we've wrestled with that we never expected to wrestle with because of where we're at. Mm -hmm. And so that picture of Jesus to continue to come back to who he was as God spoke over him, Mm -hmm. what a beautiful picture for us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Let me read something that Henry Nouwen said. Um, He said this, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based upon success, popularity, and power is a false identity. You are not what the world calls you or makes you. You are invited to claim your identity as God's beloved child, Mm -hmm. just like Jesus. I mean, we are known, we are the beloved children of God. That's who we are first and foremost, according to the scriptures. Yes, yes. I love that. Um, and then you say, I'm going to read your words back okay. to you because this <laughs> is so good. Um, you say, so here's our challenge. Are we neglecting or failing to claim that we are his cherished, beloved daughter and a f- his favor and blessing is upon us? Because it is when uh, we live or I live with a sense of my belovedness that our other natural identities flourish and that our belovedness helps me recognize false and destructive identities. Hmm. That's You wrote that, by the way. That's wise stuff right there. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So let's talk for a minute about this idea because you say, um, you know, when we understand our identity, then those natural identities that we have, they're not bad things. Being hmm. a mom, being a small business owner, being... Um, a woman, whatever those may be, they're they're good things. Mm-hmm. But there are also other times where uh, we can have a di- de- destructive identity. Right. Talk a little bit about the difference between a natural identity and a destructive identity, and what what we need to know about that. Yeah, um, and our natural identities. I mean, we practice. We're, we're going to practice those, and those are always shifting and changing as our life shifts and change. And we should practice those. Um, I, and so they're not destructive. They're not negative. Um, but they, uh, once again, they're inadequate mm-hmm. to, because they're frail, they're fragile. Um, I know I shared with you the example of when my kids went away to college. I loved being a mom. And I loved, I threw myself into it. Um, but I, I, and here again, not being aware, not being conscious of how much I derived my inner security, my inner significance from my mothering. So when they left home, I was a mess. And unfortunately, that wasn't helpful to them. <laughs> they will tell you that. I'm nine uh, months away from being an empty nester. So just, I'm going to have to revisit this with yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you've got the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like the perfect storm, isn't right, it? Right, <laughs> and who right. is this man? Right, exactly. <laughs> this man that I married all those years ago. Um, so anyway, I mean, those, and, and look, uh, the pandemic's been a beautiful example. I mean, a not beautiful, an <laughs> awful example of loss. Mm. We, I mean, so many have lost uh, their savings. They've lost their status because they've lost their career. And so all these, it, you, you feel the fragility of where we've attached our significance and our security. Mm. Um, and so um, that, I think that's the, the issue with our natural, uh, the natural places where we find security. And it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not enough to meet the deepest needs of our of our of our soul. Um, there, 
it's not enough to navigate. They're not resilient enough to make to help us navigate all of life. Let's just say we live a long life. And at the very end, I, I thought about this yesterday, uh, Sue Ann, when you were talking about a, a friend who's really terminal, and that he is, you know, he has hope and faith mm-hmm. because it's that it's that you know it's that security of the belovedness that helps you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, and, and no other, no other, no other things that you patch together in life will will be able to do that like he is able like that love is able to do that so when does it become destructive i think um this is something um i think uh, i think the three temptations that we have in our culture is i am what i do Mm. i am what i uh, i am what other people think of me and i am what i have so uh, I am what I do. I am. I am my success. I am my failure. I mean, it goes both ways. Yes. Our, you know, we can be crushed by failure. Um, I am what I. I am. I am. Uh, if I'm well liked and popular, then I am popular. I'm not popular. I'm not well liked, and um, that can be devastating. It is devastating. Um, and then I am what I have. Well, what if I lose what I have? You know, what if I lose my 401k? What if I lose my my home, you know, in such and such suburb. So um, those those can be those become destructive when we really believe um, that that's where we get our, um, I, I you know, our sense of security and significance. I mentioned yesterday too when we were talking, Sue Ann, about my friend Marilyn, who was a, a just a wonderful therapist counselor um, that I've known for many years, and she had the uh, imagery of being born with a an uh, in a, an invisible eternal umbilical cord that we still have, and we can walk around through life attaching it to different things. But when we attach it to our success or our failure or uh, what other people think or what we have, those become destructive. I think about my own. I know I'm talking a lot. I want you to talk a lot. It's okay. good. Sorry. <laughs> they hear enough from me. I want you to talk. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just thinking about when I first moved to Chicago right after graduate school, and I had all the good scaffolding. And I'm thankful for the scaffolding I had. I married my high school sweetheart. Um, I had a wonderful education. I got a dream job, just the job I wanted. Um, I, we had lots of friends. We loved being in Chicago. Um, but those identities... Um, were not taking care of the anxiety and insecurity I carried inside my scaffolding, mm. my scaffolding as a young woman. Um, I think, um, and I think the two, I would say the two temptations I really fell into is I am my success. I, I'm a performer and I'm a pleaser. I grew up feeling, learning to feel good by both of those in activities. And so the problem with performing and pleasing for me, and I think this is probably true for a lot of us, is that I think uh, you learn to be dishonest. I think you, image becomes much more important than, um, than authenticity. Mm. Uh, what, uh, what people think, uh, I think I, I, not only was I not always honest, I wasn't transparent. I don't think people really knew me mm. back then. Mm. Um, and so how can you have intimate relationships, intimate friendships, which is so, I mean, it's critical to the, to the life of the church. So it, it's so destructive in so many ways that way. You say in, again, I pulled some good stuff from what you say. You say, um, as I sought my sense of okayness and significance from my successes and from what others thought, I became less honest and transparent, constantly 
editing myself Mm -hmm. because of what others might think. Talk about that idea of editing. Because as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, I know what that means because I do it. Mm -hmm. Talk about what you mean by that. Um, Well, you... I think I was so much more aware and tuned into what other people were thinking than what I was thinking. And so their thoughts would be the thoughts I would use to decide what I was going to think. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 (laughs) I mean, I was... um, And you think, gosh, how could somebody with a college... I mean, you (laughs) look back and you think so smart and so wise in some ways and yet so um, not very smart. Yeah. Well, and because you realize, again, how um, ingrained it, how deep it is in us. It's not this, we can rationally know better. We can rationally say, it doesn't matter what my zip code is. That does not define me. It doesn't matter what my role is. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And we can, we can, I know I'm God. I know God loves me. Um, I know this life is fleeting. We can say all of those things, but there is this deeper, Mm -hmm. deeper level of belief that um, we have to carry, not that we have to, that God needs to implant in us as we sit with him, as we learn from him, as we study his word, all of those things that the Holy Spirit does a work in our life. That's really a lifelong progress because I know you would not sit here today and go, I figured all this out and Mm -hmm. you've done a ton of work. You have put um, you know the disciplines, and again, we're going to get there to give you give mm-hmm. our listeners some um, some practical handles. You know all of that, and yet you say, you know, sometimes I still I still have to remind myself. Oh, you share. Sure. Um, I love, and sorry if I'm getting ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You shared with me um, your word for the year, mm-hmm. your 2021 word that was pivot, mm-hmm. and I love this. So uh, share why you picked that word and what this has to do with our conversation today. Um, yeah, um, Pivot came from watching the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, I did. Oh, it was from that. Yes, okay. I love that. I was obsessed <laughs> with that documentary. By the way, I, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big sports basketball fan anyway. But I, I mean, he's a master at basketball, mm-hmm. and one of the things he was masterful at was pivoting. I mean, I would watch his body being pointed pointed south, and he'd just flip his foot around and. Before his um, opponents knew it, he was going the opposite way. He'd pivot so quickly to the right or to the left or back. And I thought, that is such a good image of um, what I want to be able to do this year when I Mm -hmm. sense that I have got my umbilical cord out going Mm -hmm. into the wrong person or the wrong thing or the wrong experience. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to pivot. Mm -hmm. And I've asked the Spirit to remind me because... um, one of the things I wanted to say about um, th- this, I'm so glad you brought this up. We are not talking about arriving at some destination. Yes. This is, I think it's it's a lifelong uh, daily practice of being able to receive the gift God's given us, which is our belovedness. Mm-hmm. And I am so thankful and uh, talked about the early part of my, um, you know, moving to Chicago. Uh, Roger and I both grew up in Ohio. So uh, one of the I started back to church when we, um, because because inside my scaffolding, I was not doing very well. Um, I decided to go back to church. Roger was not at all interested at that point in time. That's another story. Uh, so I met uh, a man named Bill, and he did. Um, he was an elder at our church, uh, very non charismatic person, um, but he did a personal discipleship ministry, and so um, I. I was discipled by Bill, and one of the very first things 
uh, we started with Jesus and that Jesus had given, because of the work of Jesus Christ, I was God's beloved child. No matter what I felt like, no matter what I did, no matter how bad the day was, that he started me off. And the other thing I learned from Bill is it's not something you produce. It's something you have to receive. And that's a hard thing for us there again. We are not good at that, are we? we? Are we're not, not good at receiving. We're not good at receiving. We don't earn this. It's a gift. Our place is to open up like a flower does to the sun each day and receive it. And then let that receiving, that act of receiving, something invisible it happens inside of us. And it keeps on happening, I think. But the spiritual practice is receiving. The other thing I learned from Bill, which I uh, was so helpful for me, was about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that this is not about uh, me producing something. It's about God giving me something and then the Spirit taking what's given to me and working it out. For it's God at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I I knew right from the start, intellectually, I'm not alone in this. Yes, God is, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I don't feel beloved. He is working this out in my body and in my mind and in my emotions. And um, I'm just so thankful I had that at the very beginning yeah. of my journey. Well, and I love that you just said it doesn't matter how we feel about ourselves. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter um, whether we are having the kind of day where, you know what, our jeans fit and we uh, put our heels on and we walk out into the world and feel like, hey, I got this. Yeah. Or if we have one of those days where we can barely um, pull the covers off to get out of bed, it doesn't change right. how God, um, his love of us, our belovedness. I love this word that we come back to. Our, our identity as daughters and children of the king, of the mm-hmm. most high king, it doesn't change whether we had, like you said, if we're in our successes and our failures, all of those crazy things that um, uh, we go through in our lives where we feel all of these different things, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. The one constant, the thing that we can keep coming back to, and I say this, I've said this on this podcast a million times, I know for me... Um, so I'll just, I will be transparent. And the one thing that I've had to work harder than anywhere else in my life in this conversation is with um, my teaching mm-hmm. and my preaching and, mm-hmm. and what my vocation of what I feel like God has called me to do. Even as I'm talking right now, I think, okay, this is the thing I feel like God has called me to do. And so when I feel good about what I've done, what I've produced, I feel, I feel like I can rest in that and I feel good. Mm-hmm. And yet when I, when I get up on stage and I do something that I feel was less than my best or that people didn't, there were not warm fuzzies about what I did or maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't my best day. And, and there are days where, um, and for me it's always the after part of it, where uh, I, don't, I don't really want, I don't want to say I don't want to get out of bed, but I really could curl under the covers and just think about what a failure or what a horrible human, not horrible human being, right, but you right, know, right. you get the point. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I have to keep coming back because again, that that's based on, on production or success or, or what my identity is attached to something other than God, mm-hmm. right? I attach my identity to my job, to my vocation, to my calling, good things. Yeah. But yet I have to come back to the two things I keep coming back to is do I believe that God is who he says he is? Mm-hmm. And do I believe that I am who he says I am? So and well it's said. like, yeah. all I have to do, I just keep coming back to center. I yeah. keep coming back to center because all these things can pull you off. Mm-hmm. And it's like my center is, do I believe that God is who he says he is? Yes, I do. Okay, then, Sue Ann, you have no choice. You mm-hmm. have to believe that you are who he says you are. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go back to that identity. <laughs> and it's work. I have to mm-hmm. do it over and over and over again. Yes. 
Yeah, that's so well said. Mm-hmm. And that's pivoting. It's that's pivoting. A, that's a beautiful example of pivoting. That's exactly what a pivot looks like. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta go back. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back. All right, I did get one thing right. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'll, I'll, <laughs> cheers to that. Um, so, Carla, as, as people are listening and as they're kind of wrestling through this a little bit and thinking about their own identity, I can imagine there are women out there saying, oh, I want, I want to live like that. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but how? Mm-hmm. How, how do I actually do that? And you, you um, mentioned three things. And if you want to go outside of these three things, that's fine. But you mentioned three things in our earlier conversation that have really helped you. Mm-hmm. Um with how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so can you uh, share a few of those? Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, uh, first of all, I think um, becoming self-aware. Yes. Uh, you know, really kind of listening into how you think and and what you're feeling. I think that's um, the first step. And I think that so many of us live on autopilot. We live such busy, you know, kind of fractured lives sometimes not maybe so much in the pandemic um, but we don't we don't we're not really aware of what we're listening and what I mean what we're believing what we're thinking mm-hmm. so I think it's it starts with just listening into ourselves becoming aware of and, and Jesus did this a lot he was always um, frequently questioning people's hearts their motivations what is my motivation um, I, I loved your illustration of um, who is God and who am I, and what happens when we begin to do that and we go back to our belovedness. And I think it actually frees us to um, to grow in Christ in really healthy ways, and I think it dramatically impacts our um, our our calling, the way we live out our giftedness. Because I don't really need you to make me feel good. In, through my gifts that I give to you. It's like you can do things with strings not attached, or not, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. No strings attached. Yeah. You can give away things more freely when you are resting and going back to the fact that you're beloved. Mm. No matter what. Keep in mind, I, I wish I would have known this earlier. We are not our feelings, and we are not our thoughts. We're deeper than that. And so that's even on a bad day when my thoughts aren't going well and my feelings aren't going well, I can go back. But we have to become aware. We have to become aware. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is one way to be self-aware. We've talked about the Enneagram a lot at Mm -hmm. this church, in women's ministry, in a lot of different circles. Mm -hmm. And it is a great way to... um, really start to identify how God has created you and the certain maybe thoughts and feelings that you uniquely are maybe more prone to mm-hmm. than other people. Yeah. And I know that's been a helpful tool for you as well. Yeah, for sure. I thought and for my and for my husband. Um <laughs> definitely it's always helpful for those husbands. <laughs> um yes, and you know, I think just like each space and each um triad whether you're in the heart or the gut or the the mind each each space and each triad has strengths and gifts that they give but they also have uh, unique temptations and i think you know sue ann and i are both in the heart triad i'm a three and she's a four Mm -hmm. and uh, for a three uh, the temptation is to create an image and uh, to not be authentic to not be real and transparent um and to look good at all costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Why don't you speak a little bit about yours? Yeah, well, it's funny. I was going to speak about my husband's. <laughs> I'll speak about my husband. You do, you do Eric, and I'll do Roger. Yeah. <laughs> so what's funny, so for those of you, in case you're not familiar with the Enneagram, by the way, there's a great book called Road Back to You that's a really helpful um, maybe first step into the Enneagram. And basically, uh, it divides... Um, I hate to say personalities because it's more than that, but if that helps you think through what it is into nine different categories. And so when Carla and I are talking about numbers, that's what we're talking about. You take a test and, and it kind of tells you what number you are. And so um, it's a really simple way, not maybe a great way to explain it. But um, so you and I fall into that three and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a four with a three wing. And so I, I get that piece. And, and as a four, um, uh I, I always want to be different or unique, which I hate. It makes me sound like such a diva, but I see how that plays out because then when I'm when I'm not different or unique um, or um, don't feel like I'm living into my my place that God has uniquely called me, then that affects my identity. And, and what comes out of that is I get envious of other people who I see uh, maybe being in that special place and I'm not. And so that's mm-hmm. like the worst part of it, but it's it's horribly true mm-hmm. of some of the things I wrestle with. But my mm-hmm. my my husband, so and my daughter, so I'll talk about both of them. They're both eights on the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. so the eight on en- the Enneagram is um, they are the, the challenger, uh, or a nicer way that I've uh, term that I've thought that's been helpful is a defender, and so they are gonna they are gonna dig in and defend and what is right, and if it's not right, they're gonna challenge it, and so um, and so I, I've uh, learned a lot about the aid and and the the um, their struggle is often with power and control, and so when they feel like they're out of control or they feel powerless. All of a sudden, then that spins their narrative mm-hmm. into um, not living out of their identity because they feel like they should have control and they're not in it. Mm-hmm. And so they fight for power and they fight for position and they power up. And again, without the Holy Spirit and knowing knowing that about yourself, then it's really easy. Um, I always say an eight without the Holy Spirit will just run over people. They're a dominating person. And so that Holy Spirit and knowing who we are mm-hmm. helps them become self-aware to live out of their identity. And when you look around um, in our world today, you can see those people who power mm-hmm. and authority without the Holy Spirit is not a pretty mix. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think of uh, going going back to the heart triad, I think about I've got so many good friends that are twos my daughter's a two Mm -hmm. and they're servers they're lovers uh but other what other what other people think um they they can also be be pleasers and so learning there again to be to be your own authentic self and to know when to say yes and when to say no and to have boundaries and to not need people's appreciation you know you 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 serve with no strings attached Mm -hmm. that's what the holy spirit uh, you know, once he settles you back into your God beloved identity, you can give away without without strings. And what I love about that is it's not self awareness just for self awareness mm-hmm. sake. It's self awareness so that when we when we start telling ourselves the yeah, for uh, living sake. out of a yes. God uh, mm-hmm. a non God given identity, we can bring ourselves back to yeah. that what we know is true. So yeah, yeah. So. great great tool. I was I would encourage you all out there to take a look at that if you haven't seen it. The mm-hmm. other one of the other things you bring up is this idea of an inner narrative mm-hmm. and correcting our inner narrative. And some mm-hmm. of that I think we have kind of covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's such a good um you often say to me Suanne what story are you telling yourself mm-hmm. 
and what is God's story? And mm-hmm. that's just another, a little bit different imagery maybe, mm-hmm. but another way to ask yourself that question mm-hmm. to kind of bring you, you back to center or to pivot. Right, right. Um, sure, because I think we're always there again, whether we're aware or not, we have an inner narrative about who God is, about who we are, about who other people are, about our circumstances, and we have to listen into that, you know, look at that storyboard. Yeah. And there again, we have been given this wonderful gift of pivoting, of rewriting, of editing, rather than letting other people's thoughts edit our thoughts, we can we can edit that story. Yeah. Um, and it does go back to, I love your, I love your point, uh, that simple, who is God and who am I? Because mm-hmm. those are the two fundamental places you have to go back to. Yeah. Not what, not what should I be doing or how should I be doing it, but right. who? Yeah. I saw a video that came across my Facebook or Instagram stream. I don't know which. Uh, maybe some of you have seen this, but it, I forget the exact caption, but it was um, this video montage of toddlers who have were born during the pandemic or were toddling, I guess, during the pandemic. And everything they saw, uh, whether it be a light socket or a small maybe object sitting on a desk or something, they would walk up to and try to push it. And then they would rub their hands together because they thought it was hand sanitizer. <laughs> so everything to them, uh-huh. <laughs> everything was hand sanitizer. <laughs> and I thought, what a what a funny thing, even yeah. as we're talking, that's coming in my mind, yeah. because if that's your narrative, that's right. if no one corrects it for you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to walk around uh, seeing all these things that are not true uh-huh. and you're going to try to get something from that. Right. And so right. Uh, it's such a cute video. I don't even know how you would find it, but it's, someone out there will find it and share it with us. It's good. It's hilarious. And when you find it again, you can send will, it to me. I will uh, let you I know. I love that. Um, the other thing you bring up that I love, and I'm so glad that you bring this up because I think it's so important and sometimes I think we don't say it enough, is you um, you mentioned this idea of getting extra support where you need. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, um, we're talking about being able to receive God's love. And for many of us, there's been such um, such a lack of love, such a, maybe abuse or um, such wounding that, that we can't do that by ourselves. And I, I do think um, good therapists, uh, good spiritual directors, we've all, I mean, I just think that's part of our, our discipleship journey from periodically but sometimes there's so much scar tissue mm. in our in our souls that we really need help to be able to receive that belovedness mm. but i've watched it and i've i've heard the stories of of how it's happened with the extra support so i know i know and believe it can happen yeah and there's sometimes is a stigma around that i think today it's better mm-hmm. um but you know sometimes around our mental health there is a stigma about mm-hmm. getting help about mm-hmm. needing help um, but when sometimes those inner narratives and those stories and those our identity is so attached to something we just can't see otherwise we need help unraveling that and so I would I would just echo that and encourage people if you need help feel free to email me reach out to the church and we can direct you to some people mm-hmm. that uh, might be able to help you mm-hmm. so don't be alone in that we, yeah yeah we absolutely and it takes somebody else listening to the narrative that mm-hmm. you're telling yourself for it to start to change that's right it, it's not going to change if you if you're just listening to your own narrative. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Carla, we have a couple more things I want to hit before okay. we wrap up our time yep. today, but um, but mm-hmm. I want to give you an opportunity if there's some things that we miss that you want to share about your own story. Um, yes. I think that, um, you know, going back to how Bill um, started me off on my journey with God was, I'm, I'm so, so very thankful for that. He changed the trajectory of my life and the trajectory of our, of our marriage, actually. 
Um, but one of the things I, uh, there again, I, he impressed upon me, and it really, there's, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing of God. We can know intellectually that we're loved. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the inexperiential knowledge of um, of knowing we're the beloved. And part of that happens um, when you think about the parable of the seeds, um, when uh, the seeds fell on the good soil. Uh, Jesus, it's very interesting what Jesus says. Uh, he says that that is the person that receives the word and they hold on to it. So I think there's something about holding on to what God says to us about ourselves. That means daily remembering it. I think sometimes I've pictured myself in the Jordan and God speaking those words over me. I've imaged myself being beloved. So it's kind of like year after year, day after day, year after year, like you would practice any skill or any art. It becomes more natural as you do it. So I would say learn you know for me it was learning to hold on to that year after year through all kinds of circumstances yeah are there any words that come to mind um as you think about what some of those identity uh belovedness words that god speaks over us i'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um being forgiven mm-hmm. i'm thinking about being set free mm-hmm. i'm thinking about um uh, being uh, uh, living out of a place of strength mm-hmm. and, and power and not in the world's sense. But uh, what are some of those words that come to mind to you that sometimes just we need to be reminded of that mm-hmm. identity? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the next time you find yourself in a Bible study or a small group study, keep a little notebook. And anytime Jesus says something about you or Paul says something about you or Peter write it down. This is true of you. I'll just give you an example of one. Um, my, my oldest grandson um, has um, really struggled with um, uh, Asperger's. He hasn't. He is at, has Asperger's, and he's um, uh, was struggling when he was first diagnosed, and his parents were struggling, and uh, there were there were they live in Baltimore, and I remember I felt so powerless, and I. I came in to talk to Rick and have him pray with me about about my grandson. And he said, don't forget, remember, you're part of the royal priesthood. He said, you are not powerless. You can pray. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just had that image to think of myself, I am part of the royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I know that might sound hokey to people, but it so invigorated me. It so encouraged me. Yes. And strengthen me yes. that this is my role. I am his prayer warrior. I am part of I am part of God's royal priesthood for this young man. Mm-hmm. And Carla, when we start to understand that about ourselves, mm-hmm. how does that start to um, affect how we see one another? Yes, I, I wanted to say I think role models are important. We have to because obs- you can see people that have this the sense of being loved by God. Um, and also, I think we can start to receive each other that way. I think the more we feel belovedness, let me just read something that um, Henry said that I copied down. Okay. Um, when we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being the chosen ones, the cherished ones, the beloved, we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. That is the great joy of being chosen and loved the discovery that others are chosen and cherished as well. Mm-hmm. So rather than being the beloved of God, it, it helps soothe that competitive spirit that we all have, mm-hmm. that envious spirit. 
I think the more we experience his love and are able to receive it, the more we're able to welcome each other that way. Mm. And then that teaches us, doesn't it? Yes, because when we don't define ourselves by what we have, what our success (laughs) is, or what others say about us, then when we look at other people, we're not defining them by what their job is, how they raise their kids, um, what kind of house they live in, even though we wouldn't consciously say Maybe that that's how we're receiving them, Mm -hmm. but we can start to let go of those um, things and fully embrace who the people are around us in a Mm -hmm. new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When we measure ourselves that way, we tend to measure other people that way. And then um, that automatically creates this invisible barrier. You don't even think about it, but if we had eyes to see, it would be there. Yeah, it's that whole idea of um, hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and this, this kind of falls into that as yeah. well. So, yeah. all right, my dear. Well, one last question. Mm-hmm. So um, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, but to the women listening, if you can give them one piece of encouragement, um, maybe one thing that they can do, what's mm-hmm. that What's that one step that they can take into God's belovedness? Well, um, Sue Ann asked me about uh, books, Mm -hmm. and so I can recommend Henry Nouwen's uh, two lovely books, uh, The Life of the Beloved and uh, Here and Now, colon, Life in the Spirit. That's the the second title. And both of those books are very simple but so beautifully written and give you such a picture of being God's beloved, cherished child. Mm -hmm. And that's our call. That is our calling. That's our first calling. That's right. Um, and then the other one is just a really simple spiritual practice. So when you wake up in the morning and you first see yourself in the mirror with your messy hair and your bad breath and your blotchy face, take a moment to say to yourself, God, who created me, um, has he loves me i'm i'm his loved one i'm his cherished one and today this day his favor rests upon me wherever i go whoever i talk to whatever i'm asked to do whatever befalls me i am loved and his favor rests upon me and i can't get out of it no matter how hard i try I love the idea of putting that on a mirror in your bathroom mm-hmm. or a sticky note somewhere, or put it on your, your refrigerator. I am loved and God's favor is upon me. Mm-hmm. Nothing will ever change that. That's right. What beautiful words yeah. as your first step maybe to really live into who God has created you to be. So Carla, thank you for taking the time mm-hmm. with us today to make us pivot at Deeper Still and to take this moment to really um, take a step back actually and say God who are we as your children and so thanks so much for being here today you are such a gift to all who know you my my delight (laughs) thank you well friends um, so much good thought today so much wisdom about who we are who we are as God's beloved and why that's important to really sit in and to rest in and to know today. So before you do anything else in 2021, before you take another step, before you write down another goal, before you pick a word, before you do anything, take some time to sit with your creator. Soak in his word, soak in his truth, write those words on your mirror or wherever you're gonna see them today because you are God's beloved. So go in his grace and go in his peace, and we'll see you back next week as we dive into James chapter 3, and we continue to go deeper still. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you back here next week.